Welcome to the Move Against Cancer podcast, the podcast that aspires to support and inspire people to move, exercise and live an active and fulfilling life despite a cancer diagnosis. The podcast where we share the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We know that many people are scared to stay active during cancer treatment. We know that for some, cancer can take away the hope that comes from dreaming of a future. And we know many people diagnosed with cancer feel isolated and lonely. We hope that by sharing the stories of others finding their way through cancer, the Move Against Cancer podcast will provide hope, support and a sense of empowerment to anyone living with and beyond cancer. Welcome to episode eight of the Move Against Cancer podcast. My name is Gemma Hillier-Moses and I am the founder of Move Charity. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself before we kick off with episode eight. Uh, So I love a little bit of running. I love to chat, as you can probably tell from this podcast. I haven't done an episode yet that's under an hour, so I'm still working on that one. And I also love connecting with others and being able to share their stories. So when Lucy, Georgie and I decided to set up this podcast, we had no idea what to expect. And so eight episodes in, we are absolutely loving all of your wonderful feedback, your love and your support. And to our incredible guest, a big, big thank you for your time. We're excited to see where this podcast will take us. So today I'm joined by Sophie Mulligan and Shannon Coate, who are two very special young people who were diagnosed with cancer at the age of 19 and 23. They have both been supported by the MOVE online programme and want to share the reality of their cancer journey as a young person to help others. And the reason we set up this podcast, well, one of the reasons, was because they both had a conversation with each other to help support each other through what they were going through. And they said that they wished they'd record it as a podcast because they absolutely absolutely love chatting and could have chatted for hours. So we've brought that dream into a reality by doing this episode with both of them. Sophie has also gone on to set up the Movers One Facebook group as part of Move Charity to help inspire and support other young people to move against cancer. And Shannon recently wrote a blog, which is on the Move Charity website that you should check out called Not Loving Yourself. Cancer was not in control of my life. I was. I can't wait for this conversation. Um, welcome to the Move Against Cancer podcast, Sophie and Shannon. It's amazing to have you on today. Oh, thank you. Hi. <laughs> How are you both? I'm doing really well. Um, it's sort of getting stronger every day through um, through my treatment. So yeah, it's a good day. Brill. Yeah, I'm not too bad myself. I'm just uh, preparing for uh, bilateral hip replacement in a week's time. So that is going to make a huge difference to my life and you know I'm just so excited really just get me in there (laughs) one week and one day to go Sophie (laughs) one week and one day in Compton (laughs) amazing so I think we'll kick off because we wanted to get you both on this podcast because we have supported both of you through the move online program and you've both had different journeys and diagnosis with cancer um as, as young people, which, you know, is, is a bit of a shock when you're young and you get diagnosed with cancer. It's definitely not what you expect. So it'd be amazing to share your story and insight into the journey that you have both had. And the reason, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on the podcast was because both of you said you recently, a couple of weeks ago, had a chat with each other and <laughs> wish you'd recorded it as a podcast because you just chatted for ages and thought, gosh, <laughs> this would be a brilliant podcast. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, I'm sure Shannon, you'll agree. We kind of hit it off from the minute that 
we started talking you know there was a lot of things that you were saying that I related to and then you were saying there was things that I was mentioning about my journey that you really related to and we just got on so well and the conversation flowed and I think I certainly found comfort in talking to you you know I I haven't really struggled as much um, from a mental point of view because I have had such a good support network from family, friends throughout my journey, but it kind of opened my eyes to how maybe I would have benefited talking to someone else earlier on in my journey who, who was going through a similar thing. Obviously, our diagnosis is a different, you know, we've had different treatment, but it I just come away from that conversation just feeling so relieved that you know what I'd been through wasn't alone and it was it was really really lovely eye-opening conversation yeah definitely I completely agree and it's it's the fact that you kind of when you go for a cancer journey you are so isolated because probably your friends around you aren't going through the same thing so be able to have that conversation it was just a bit of like a okay it's normal to feel tired in this situation yeah. it's it's normal to struggle getting up and getting dressed like it's okay um and just having that that conversation and that flow was just really really nice through the whole the whole conversation and kind of didn't want it to stop it in a way because it was just like <laughs> right I've got this list now and it makes you feel so positive um mentally and and kind of gives you that candy attitude from from our conversation which was great that's brilliant. And that's why we brought you both on today so we can continue that conversation, <laughs> but also to be able to share it with others so that, you know, whether you've had a cancer diagnosis or you're just listening to this podcast and you want some inspiration on life, like I really feel like speaking to both of you, even though you've been through and are going through still incredibly tough journey, you can definitely bring that positivity and that different insight into that journey with cancer and the perspective on life as well. So I think let's kick it off with giving um, our listeners an understanding of what your background is, for both of you. So um, if you go Sophie first around your cancer diagnosis, your journey and where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So my journey started back in 2015. Um, I was only 19 at the time and I just had a chest infection that I couldn't shift and I was coming up to the end of my first year at university so I just thought you know maybe I'm going out too much I'm staying up late getting up early in the morning and it's just not doing me any good really so I just kind of said to my parents if I can't shift it in a couple of weeks I'll go to the GP but then a few days after this after I'd actually said that the whites of my eyes turned yellow and it was as if that something was telling me, no, you need to go to the GP now. Yeah. Uh, and I was really worried because I was thinking, oh, maybe my liver is a bit off and, and things like that. The GP I went to, uh, hats off to him. He was so thorough with me. I've heard absolute horror stories of young people being kind of shoved to one side mm -hmm. and, and having brushed off saying, you know, you're drinking too much, you're partying too hard, things like that. But this GP was so thorough with me. I explained that. I'd also lost a lot of weight recently. I've always been slim build, but people were noticing a bit more you know people had said to me are you on a diet or or are you trying to lose weight and I said no I, I must just be losing weight and he sent me for bloods that day so I just went next door had the blood test thought nothing of it and then that evening I got a telephone call to say that I needed to go to my local hospital first thing in the morning to the hematology department 
they didn't really yeah. say much more than that so and, I was just thinking oh sorry go ahead no I was just gonna say Sophie at the age of 19 then and the word hematology I bet you'd never really heard of that word before like you know I certainly hadn't when I was diagnosed and did you think did you think oh it's cancer or did you not really think about it and just went the next day absolutely not I did not think in a million years that it would be cancer my mum actually said to me oh you're probably a bit anemic and they'll just give you iron tablets mm. so I said to her well do you mind coming with me because you know I, I've never really took medication before in my life so if there's a lot that I need to take in it might be best having you there I didn't think I'd need her there for support or anything it was just purely from an understanding point of view so we went and sat down in the room with a consultant and I actually didn't realize that there was a nurse in there with him with a Macmillan cancer um lanyard on I, I didn't even pick up on that until he said the words we think you've got leukemia and then it all kind of made sense why there was such a rush for me to get in and and the first thing that come out of my mouth was well I can't do this right now because I've got a holiday book to Mexico in like wow. two months <laughs> gosh you can laugh about that now can't you yeah. But, yeah but I think that was just pure shock talking you know it wasn't and my mum was like in tears and I'm more bothered about the holiday but <laughs> it, I think that was just pure shock as I say um so he explained to me that the consultant, he said that the type of leukemia you've got, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, it requires a, a long treatment plan. So it's going to be two and a half years. The first year, 18 months or so is going to be really intensive chemotherapy nearly every day. And then followed by 18 months of oral chemotherapy. So I just had to put my studies on hold and I kind of went into autopilot though, you know, although I was absolutely devastated, I was kind of just like, right, let's get it done. Like, get me in there, get me started, get rid of it and let's do this. I was going to say, Sophie, so how do you get your head and mind round two and a half years and potentially more of treatment? Because that, you know, some people go through cancer treatment and are a lot less, others a lot longer, but I know, you know, leukemia is an intense treatment plan how at the start do you think about the end point do you think about two years down two three years down the line or did you like you said get just streamlined and focused on one day at a time I think you never know how you're going to react to something like that because you never expect to be told it and I I think if you just told me years ago you're going to be diagnosed with cancer at age 19 I think my emotions would have got the better of me and I thought I'd be an emotional wreck and I just wouldn't want to leave my room I just want to be on my own and things like that but I didn't it was just like something clicked inside me to say you need to do this you need to do this for yourself you need to do it for your family you know you need to do it for your boyfriend you need you just need to do this and however much it takes however ill you're going to be you just need to get through this. And that was kind of the attitude that I had the whole time. I tried to keep that positive attitude because I totally believe that helping yourself does benefit you in the long run. You know, I tried my best if I'd had chemo during the day in the day unit. I'd, my mum and dad would say to me, let's go for a little walk, even if it's just around the block, just to get some fresh air in you and just keep you occupied. And we did that a lot. And I think that is one of the things that that got me through really and 
you know, unfortunately, after those two and a half years were complete, I thought I was done and dusted. But I then went on to relapse and they told me, you've just done this. This is a whole huge chunk out of your life. You're going to have to do it all over again. And that was really when it hit me, I think. And yeah, that was when it hit the whole family, you know, and we were kind of saying all that for nothing. You know, it, it, she's just going to have to go through it all again, be really poorly again. Um, and they were saying to us the the treatment for a relapse is a stem cell transplant. And obviously seeing other patients in the day units who, who'd had transplants, I was terrified because they looked so ill and they were always getting admitted with infections and things like that. And I, that was the one time that I've been really, really terrified because I was just thinking I might have this transplant and not actually come out of it because it, it really was you know they were emphasizing how it just strips your body of everything you've got no immune system whatsoever and the actual the chemo that they use and the the total body irradiation that has such horrific long-term side effects as well that you'll kind of you, you'll you'll be you again but you'll never be the normal that you knew before diagnosis you know and you're just a happy free-spirited student mm. you know loving life and that was when it really really hit me I think yeah and I think that like you said as a as a 19 year old going through the treatment the first round of treatment in terms of a good two and a half years out of your life it's like people your age can't really understand that you know what that even looks like what it feels like the mental you know that what it leaves on you scars mentally as well to then relapse and go through that again and like you said it's kind of that positivity and that I need to find a way through this which is what gets you through and I think that brings me on and we'll talk more about your journey Sophie as we go we go into it because I know that you know you've got a big milestone next week and um but I think that what you talked about positivity I think and that support when Shannon you wrote a blog for us at Move Charity and it was such a you know if anyone wants to read it it's on our website and it was such a moving but real blog about you know your experience of cancer but also how being positive actually really has helped you and I know you know people used to say to me oh Gemma you're really positive when I was going through my treatment but it wasn't as though I just jumped out of bed and just was like right we're gonna seize the day today it's hard like you go to dark places but at the end of the day that positivity or that fight that you find has to come out somewhere doesn't it so Shannon talk to us about your cancer diagnosis and where you are where you are now okay so um my journey started back last year back in May um 2020 when I found a lump um, and I went to my GP. They referred me on to the hospital, um, but Sophie touched on it a little bit. I was told, you're too young. You've got nothing to worry about. Um, it's just dense tissue. Don't worry. Um, and I was I was sent away. And I mean, the the woman made me feel like so, so uncomfortable. She just wouldn't listen to me at all. Um, so I, I left it and I thought about it. And I sort of, I left it until the November um, of 2020. And I said to my partner, I said, I don't know if it's psychological or, or not, but I'm pretty sure that the lumps got bigger. It's now coming out like I can see it. Um, and so mine was a breast cancer diagnosis. And they tell you to look for like a marble or like a pee under a carpet and, and that sort of thing. And 
mine didn't feel like that at all and i just kind of thought to myself well it can't be because it's not what they tell you to look out for um but it was different for me and that's that's the most important thing to anybody i think if anything is different from your normality Mm. then you need to go and have it looked at so um back in november i went back to my gp and i said look it's, it's getting bigger um i can feel it so they they referred me again and I saw someone different this time and and he was really good checked both sides sent me for my scans and everything else they took biopsies um and then on the 3rd of December um I got called back in to have the diagnosis that I had grade 2 breast cancer um and I had to go for biopsies to check my lymph nodes um and a CT scan to check the rest of my body uh, so I had all that done and then a couple of days later I got called in again to tell me that it had spread um, and that's something that I had to deal with basically um, yeah. so I dealt with that and then they told me that it would be chemotherapy um, and then an operation uh, I think the biggest thing for me was it was kind of like disbelief to start with because I was like mine isn't a marble under the carpet mine isn't a pee um, and I got told that it was nothing to worry about. It was dense tissue. And yeah. it's really hard to get your head around that mentally um, for for anybody, especially for someone that's so young, I think. Um, just because you're like, well, who, who's right? Who's right and who's wrong? You yeah. just don't know. Um, and then it was kind of like, right, let's start. Let's start treatment. We've got we've got to get over this. Um and I knew I for day one I was like right I've got to beat cancer and that was the one thing that stuck with me the whole way is I've got to beat it I've got to beat it so um I went in every three weeks for chemotherapy um and you do like I said it's the hardest journey ever mm. that I've yeah. ever had to take um and I'm not taking that away but your mindset is something that can make that experience better so I went into chemotherapy um and I just I was looking at the drugs going in from the machine and I'm thinking, right, this is going to make me feel awful. But what can I take from it? And it was that that will make it better. So yeah. I'm watching this, this fluid going in from my chemotherapy and I'm like, right, OK, so that and I, it was like a little story in my head. I was like, right, that bit's going to shrink my tumour. That bit's going to make me feel sick. And it was kind of like just watching it flowing through my body or through the through the line um and just trying to trying to pick out the positives like side of it all um my tumor was actually eight centimeters uh, in in my uh, breast so then they told me that my operation was going to be a mastectomy and I'm like right I'm still going through chemotherapy I was hoping that it was going to shrink it but you're telling me that no matter how much it shrinks I've still got to have a mastectomy um so then that story kind of went well that bit doesn't matter if it's shrinking the tumour, that bit doesn't matter if it's going to make me better because I'm still going to lose my boob. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's a mile away from, like Sophie said, who who I was. Um, And kind of just getting up and doing the washing up, I struggled to stand up. I had to get an office chair into my kitchen to sit down to do the washing up because I just physically could not stand. And, it, and it, it's just absolutely crazy. And like I said, it's the hardest journey, but your mindset is what makes it makes it more positive. And the reality of that, Shannon, is that as well, like you said, there's you can't do anything before you get diagnosed to prepare yourself. Like so like 
sometimes hard things in life or with work or you know challenges or that sort of thing you can really prepare yourself whereas there's no preparation at all you find a lump or an issue that's going on and then the next day or the week after you're told it's cancer and then you're told what the journey you have to go through which you know nothing about so you can't prepare yourself for what that treatment feels like so I know that you know you've talked about I just had to deal with it like how do you deal with that? Because you also went through, you also had your diagnosis in the pandemic, which changes things massively in terms of support. So how, yeah, how do you deal with that diagnosis and treatment mentally, but then also how do you deal with it in a pandemic? So going through the pandemic is so isolating. Um, you're isolated anyway because you've got cancer and no one kind of around you has that either. Um, but you're on your own you can't if you're having a rubbish day I couldn't phone up my mates and be like right come on I need a cup of tea cheer me up let's go yeah I was I was on my own and I am thankful I had um, a real good support network from my family so my my partner but he was still going to to work every day because we still needed to keep a roof over our head so it's those bad days I was just sat on the sofa and it was you do just think like am I am I actually feeling ill or is it psychological? Like, is it something that is just in my head? Um, and I think Sophie, like the chat that we had, it was for both of us, it was kind of a bit like, no, this is normal. The chemotherapy does affect you like this. And I think for me, having those conversations was what changed my mind, like changed how I looked at cancer and, I, I did go straight down and I'm like, right, I've got to beat this. I have to be full on. Um, and I've just got to take one day at a time because if I didn't, I would get blown away with everything else that needed to come. Um, I've always been someone that plans everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I'm really organized on top, but underneath I'm like a little duck paddling in water. It's just crazy, but I'd like to have an idea. So I like to have an idea that I had chemotherapy, I've got my operation um, and then radiotherapy. That was what I had planned. But to break that down, I just needed to focus on each day and push for each day. And if one day I always said to myself, no matter what time of the day, you have to get up and you have to get dressed. And that yeah. was one thing that stuck to me just to get me out of bed um, and kind of give me that little bit of motivation to to push and just deal with that day no matter what time I mean some days I didn't get dressed until half past three in the afternoon but I got changed into a clean pair of pajamas or something but I moved and I I did something um, and that just gives me the motivation so I think breaking down your long journey into weeks or into days is so important because you just get bombarded by appointments and like, yeah, and like Shannon um Sorry, that, that's something that we spoke about, wasn't it, Shannon, that, you know, having a bit of structure and that's something that I did as well. I was absolutely determined that every day I would get up, get a shower and get dressed because it just made me feel better. It made me feel more human. And even when I was, when I'd had the stem cell transplant in particular, there was no way I could stand in the shower. But I would call a nurse and I would say, you need to help me because it will just make me feel better mentally and physically. You know, when you smell nice and you feel clean and, you know, just, just rewarding yourself that actually I didn't just lie there all day. And, you know, I'd try and sit in a chair rather than sit in bed so that I'd associate bed with bedtime 
rather than lying there all day. I, I'd be determined to sit in the chair and, and doctors would walk in and be like, it's so strange to see someone sitting in a chair, you know, the bed's there. And I was like, no, this is making me feel better because I, I can be proud of myself that I didn't, you know, I actually did something with my day, whether that is just going from the bed to the chair. And, and that was something that we both related to, wasn't it? You know, that, that made us feel better. And we also touched on the fact that you know, cancer, it, it's a part of your life. It's not all of your life. And we we said, like, we don't want to be known as the girls with cancer. We just want to be known as Sophie and Shannon. And they have had awful things happen to them, but it's made them stronger and, and they've moved on and, and things like that. And yeah, I think that is what advice I'd give to anyone going through the journey that, okay, yeah, you've got cancer and it's it's a part of your life. It's, it's going to take up a lot of your life but it doesn't define you. You're still the same person. You can still on your good days do things that make you feel happy, whether that's going for a walk or meeting a friend for coffee. You know, just don't let it define you because that's that's when it wins and, and you don't want it to. You, you, you just need to look at it and say almost like, no, this isn't happening. I, I'm in control and I'm going to try my best to, to put you to the back of my mind. I think also like you can't take for granted the little the little goal. So like you said, getting out of bed into a chair, that's a goal, that's a win. And you have yeah, to it's massive. Take that and you have to be proud of that every single day. Um, and like I said, it was one thing that I said to myself is no matter what time, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna get dressed. And for me, that was an absolute win. And no one can take for granted how small these wins are. Like people used to say to me, Oh, how are you getting on? I'm like, yeah, I've got dressed today. And they looked at me like, yeah. well, well done you. Like, See, to a normal person, that's nothing, is it? Yeah. Like, but, <laughs> but that's why it's so important to connect with other people who, who are going through a similar journey to you because we can share these wins between ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you touched on before, your friends, they are so supportive and, you know, they're always checking up on you and things, but they don't actually get it you know they don't understand what it's like to wake up in the morning and just be thankful that you're still alive to be honest they they and they don't see that when you're having a breakdown they don't see you when you've got your head in the toilet being sick they they don't see these things they don't see you when you sat there face to face with your consultant and they're telling you that you know you've relapsed or the treatment's not working they don't see that at all so I think that's why it is lovely to be able to connect with other people who, who are going through a similar thing because it just reminds you that it is normal to to feel like that yeah so what, oh sorry Shannon you go <laughs> I was gonna say 100% I, I agree and and about um like the mental side of things and you saying that cancer is just part of your life and not the whole of your life so for me I wanted to train uh, to be a paramedic before I started my cancer uh, journey and I started chemotherapy on the day I was meant to do my driving test for that um, and everything got put on hold my wedding got put on hold my training to be a paramedic got put on hold my life got put on hold um, and for a couple of weeks like that was all I could see was me being on hold and not going any further um and I had one week where I didn't get dressed I sat on the sofa I didn't complete uh the move program that I was being sent across and and bless Helen she she was really good um and I just felt like I 
had failed that week and and I was like you've not failed I'm like but I have but I've learned from that failure um because I never want to feel that that rubbish and that low again and I made myself feel that low because I gave up on my goal of getting dressed every day um so from that moment I was like right how can I be in control now so from this day from this week where I've let myself go I've not been in control and it's made me feel rubbish I need to get that control back um so I rebooked my um paramedic theory I've rebooked my wedding I'm planning my wedding and everything is now in the future um and I've stopped trying to claw back um to the woman that I was this hard-working determined woman that just had her life plan I've, I've stopped trying to get back on that path and realize now that I can get to the same end goal. I just have to take a different journey through that. Um, and that's okay. Wow. That's, in, yeah, and that's incredible advice as well, Shannon, from, you know, I know you're using it as what you went through, because that's what I was going to ask you. And you explained that perfectly about, you know, you were saying, get up every morning, get a new pair of clothes. But like you said, what well, that one week, you just couldn't. And that's that I can imagine a lot of people will experience that you just don't want to, you don't want to help yourself. But actually, like you said, you had to dig deep and say, I can't feel like this anymore. And I need something to look forward to or something to do to help me out of that hole. Um, And so when's the wedding? When's the wedding planning for? Uh, So it's for April 2nd next year. So it was meant to be September, uh, but it's, it's been moved to April next year amazing wow you'll have an amazing time planning that as well <laughs> when did <Yeah>. they call it <laughs> yeah yeah I've got plenty of time to do it now there's no rush <laughs> yeah exactly brilliant so I think what I want to touch on is both of you when before we started the podcast I asked you both what was quite important to you to talk about and really interestingly Shannon you spoke about the mental acceptance of having cancer and who you are now compared to who you used to be and where you want to go and Sophie you spoke about the physical side of things and that was something that you really wanted to raise awareness for but that is something that become pretty difficult for you so I want to bring in to both of you to talk around those two areas, but also bring in how you actually got involved in Move Charity and how the online programme and Helen Murray, who's our cancer rehab instructor, worked with both of you and has helped on that journey of physical and mental and getting to you to where you are now. So I guess, Sophie, it'd be good for you to kick off with that. Yeah, so um, I... The, the physical aspects of cancer was the the biggest thing that affected me I think and it, it still affects me to this day um I'd had a lot of steroids during my treatment that's just the way leukemia treatment works it's it's high dose steroids combined with chemotherapy radiotherapy things like that and um after my bone marrow transplant I was really struggling um and I was diagnosed with a condition called avascular necrosis and that is a a result of basically high dose steroids it's bone death so the the major joints in your body almost crumble away and die so that the if you imagine a ball and socket joint the ball no longer fits in the socket and you have things like restricted movement pain um even just 
things like you know putting shoes and socks on and stuff became difficult for me because this condition affects me hip joints my left shoulder both my elbows so it's kind of a whole whole body you know and I'd never experienced anything like this before I'd always been really active I played volleyball and netball right up until my diagnosis always has you know a love for fitness and exercise and, and leading a healthy lifestyle and just to to all of a sudden be so restricted to the point that I need help with basic tasks. I can't go out for a walk anymore. Um, you know, it just, it, it's very debilitating actually. And that caused more of a mental effect for me than the actual treatment itself. So that that long-term effect and living with the fact that I was no longer normal, shall we say, for, yeah. for what was normal for me, that really, Oh, it, it just, and even to this day, like I get so upset when I can't do mm. things because of this disability and limitation. So I reached out to to move um, because I'd actually, after my stem cell transplant, I relapsed for a second time and I went on to have CAR T cell therapy. And before I had that treatment, I was determined to go into it with the best possible outcome, uh, best possible preparation and just kind of want to be in the best state I could to prepare for this treatment. So after the stem cell transplant, I was really weak. I had the avascular necrosis. I just didn't know where to start. And I couldn't bring myself to go to a normal gym because yeah. I thought people are gonna look at me and think, she looks like a normal 24, 25 year old. Why isn't, why is she so like limited? You know, she's not, she can't pick up even like the lightest weight up. So I just didn't know where to start. So that's when I re reached out to move. And, you know, Helen was just brilliant. She, from, from the minute we started speaking, she was like, right, we're going to focus on the things you can do. Don't worry about your limitations because there's plenty of things that you can do. And, and this is what we need to focus on. So week one, the plan that she gave me, you know, I, I looked at it and I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. But actually there was things that I could and that's how we work through the program. I'd say to Helen, I could do that, no problem. But then this exercise I couldn't do. So let's get rid of that. And she was just brilliant. She was so accommodating, you know, and, and it just made me feel so much better because I could see myself getting stronger and I had a little bit more movement in my hips, you know, and and even my arm, like I could actually reach out to, to the sky, which I had been able to do yeah. for ages and ages. I could barely put my arm straight out in front of me. And um, I, I just thought like, I, I'm gonna need this treatment. Let's be physical, let's be proactive. Let's prepare myself for it. And that's what I did. And, and I think that was the best thing I possibly could have done because I actually found the CAR T cell therapy to be an absolute breeze. I was ill for around yeah. three days, uh, but the chemotherapy I had in the week leading up to it, I dealt with fine. And, you know, I was able to, whilst I was in hospital, I was fully mobile around the room, could get up, have a shower unaided. I didn't need the support from a nurse or anything like that. And then upon my discharge, when I actually got home, I said, it's, it's surprising to feel so well because when I'd been in hospital in the past, I'd come home and that was kind of the, the beginning of the journey yeah. almost because you rely on the nurse and staff so much that when you get home, it's a total shock to the system. And you actually, you don't realize how weak you are, you know, when you're faced with 
the flight of stairs in your house that that's really tough but because I'd done the move program as an almost prehab to to the CAR T cell therapy when I got home I was absolutely fine I could get up the stairs without support you know and and I was even going for walks around the block and things like that and that stuff I hadn't been able to do for a while so I just found a huge benefit from that and I would definitely say that this is something that cancer services need to focus on that maybe it's not all about what you do after your treatment a lot of it is what you can do before it too yeah yeah and I think like you said the stronger and healthier the body is going into it the more it can handle so you often hear about the you know scientific evidence around the higher volume or um of cancer treatment um you can take or the you know the toxic doses actually the body can handle it better but like you're saying also the strength of the body how it can support you being able to go into the shower do your daily movements a lot better so there is a lot of evidence around that prehab but also during treatment which is a lot around maintenance and like you said just everyday tasks being able to do them but then what like you're saying what happens after you finish your treatment like where do you go next like often people just think you look well and and you're and that's it and actually you've got a whole two three four five years ahead of you to build yourself your body back and I think that you know because that's your next steps now isn't it Sophie with your operation next week yeah so um now that kind of like the the hospitals are doing surgeries again I am finally booked in for a bilateral hip replacement um, in (laughs) one week in a day (laughs) if I haven't mentioned before and that is just going to be so life-changing for me because the past couple of months I have definitely taken a dip I have tried to keep as fit and well as possible but when you physically can't walk without a crutch or holding on to someone even you know just getting up the stairs I have to go up on my hands and knees because I just can't put the weight on either leg to be able to do that and you know I just want to be a normal uh, I say normal but I just want to do what normal 25 year olds would be doing and that is on a Saturday afternoon looking at my fiance and saying shall we go for a walk you know should we go to the park get some fresh air and I can't do that at the moment and that is so upsetting to me so this is going to be so life-changing I don't I've always said to people I don't expect to have this you know life where I go to visit every country in the world or you know become a billionaire or I don't expect that I just want to be able to do the simple things that people might take for granted if they haven't had cancer you know people go for a walk every day with with family and and things and it's nothing to them but to me that's everything because there was times when I didn't even think I was going to be here to see me 25th birthday so even just getting here and haven't knowing that this operation's coming up I'm I'm just looking forward now to to being able to live you know a a really chilled but exciting life uh, for me and just being able to do things that I haven't been able to do for the past few years because Sophie do you do you ever accept that because often we ask how do you cope with that how have you coped with it how have you accepted that but actually some of the question is have you accepted and how like in terms of that life being so different to what you imagined it to be pre-cancer like does it still stop you in the tracks and think gosh I just wish I could do that or actually have you gone through enough years of 
resetting goals rethinking about how you want to live your life that you're actually in a really comfortable place where you're like actually now after this operation I'm you know my future is going to be what I now want it to be yeah I think obviously there is times when it does still hit me to think what I was like before and what I'm like now but I feel like I've learned so much from my cancer journey you know it was five years of my life five years of almost constant treatment because it was the first initial treatment then a relapse then a stem cell transplant then a relapse then CAR T cell therapy and I, I didn't really have a chance to to breathe almost and and think about goal setting for the future but now having having gone through all that I do believe that I'm a better person and I do believe that my goals are different but they're things that make me happy so I I was actually doing psychology at, at university before I was diagnosed and cancer's led me on a totally different path because I found move and um I never would have needed move if I hadn't had cancer but in a way thank god I did because I've met some amazing people I get to do something that I love day in day out and you know that's fine with me you know and, and I, I can actually plan for the future now me and my fiance we've bought our first house and that's going to be ready in October Amazing. and it's just so exciting because I know that when my hip replacement's done I'll be able to go out shopping pain-free and look for furniture and things like that and this is stuff that people normal people do day in day out and they wouldn't yeah. look at but for me it's so exciting and I just try and take life yeah I, I just try and live as much as I can really and and really anything that I think is such a, a minor thing I celebrate so you know this hip replacement I'm absolutely milking it but I'm <laughs> celebrating it because it's so life-changing for me and I think people don't understand how much it actually means to me you go on my Facebook people probably think she's better now she's recovered but they don't know I'm walking around with crutches so yeah it's that's why I think it's so important to focus on yourself and not really worry about what other people are doing and you know and not compare yourself to other people really I think that's a big lesson learned and it really does everything you've said there does show the power of the mind doesn't it because although that's all physical um a lot of what you've been through and your you know where you want to go to next after the operation it's how how you deal with it and what you tell yourself the affirmations that you tell the resetting of the goals the resetting of who you are finding your why again finding out who you are really as you know you said five years of your life you've gone through some people could look at that as been completely taken away from you but actually like you said you just have to take one step at a time and reset who you are and who you want to be and that can still make you incredibly happy and having new goals and new places that you want to go so um, it's definitely a, such an important message um, and thank you you know I know how hard it can be also to share what you've been through in, in your journey and because for both of you it's not you know you're not at the end of that at all you're going through it and living through it right now so Shannon let's talk about how you found MOVE and because this you know it's even more recent for you and why did you want to start on the online program and like Sophie said what help has that given you specifically mentally as well like you spoke about um, so for me, I was no elite athlete. I played hockey for <clears throat> previous for a couple of years ago and I've always wanted to get back. And I was sort of like, before I got diagnosed, I was setting a plan in place to get back, get fit again and get and join hockey. So I was no elite athlete when I I, I looked at MOVE. Um, but I went through my, my diagnosis and 
your consultants are really good at going, oh, you feel sick, have a tablet. Oh, you're, you're not going to the toilet properly, have a tablet. And I just thought, okay, well, that's great, but I still don't feel like I'm doing enough. Yes, I was getting up and getting dressed, but I wanted to move my body because I could see the weight from the steroid and the medication piling on. And I'm just sat on the sofa letting that happen. And mentally, I, I couldn't do that. I've always battled with my weight anyway. Um, and I'm now sat down letting that take over. So that was another thing that I wanted to have control over. Um, so I've never heard of move um, at, like, at all. Um, sorry, my TV has just started to come along. <laughs> Don't worry. I, was, I can hear someone else talking. <laughs> <laughs> someone's, someone's dropping themselves into the interview. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Um, Don't worry. But sorry. yeah, no, I um, never heard about Move. Um, and I come under the Teenage and Young Adult Trust. So my support worker through them said, well, I know somebody who has tried this, but I've never sent anyone myself. So we can give it a go and I was like well if it's gonna help it's gonna help so I went on and I spoke to Helen and again I repeat what Sophie said she was absolutely incredible and from the start she was just so understanding and she never expected so much of you that you could never achieve it she always pushed you and always set a goal that you never thought you could reach but she knew probably deep down that you could and it was so thrilling to be able to experience that and I had a pick line uh, in my arm for my chemotherapy so it was a line that stayed in all the time um, but you couldn't do certain things and in my head I'm like I do not know where to start I don't know whether I can lift a weight with that arm or whether I can pull something up on that arm like I just didn't know so sat with Helen on my first sort of meeting and talking about it all and she was like no that's fine she was like we just can't do any body weight like anything extensive on that side but there's still plenty you can do and I'm like okay well now I feel really really good um, and my first week fell um, on a week where I didn't have chemotherapy so in myself I was really really strong so my first week I absolutely and I, I'll say it, I absolutely smashed it and it was a win that I will hold on to forever um and then that <laughs> and I, I and I enjoyed it that much that I actually repeated it twice the, the the first week and I'm like this is incredible um and even one of the exercises was just to lie on the floor and breathe and I enjoyed that exercise the most because, it, again, it just gave you that time to reset and mentally reset and just process everything that you're going through and process all the achievements that actually I've just done a lunge for the first time since my, my journey. And I was doing this through, through chemotherapy. So it's like I'm actually getting up now and I've done five lunges, three squats. And I'm working towards cancer not taking over my weight and I'm actually helping myself. Um, and I remember one day I was laid on the floor and my partner come home and I was just so still because I was just so concentrating on my breathing that he kind of went into a little bit of a panic and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, 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 like, I said to him, I was like, can you just go, like, go and have your shower, just leave me alone. Like, but quite forcefully, because I was just enjoying that moment of, of resetting and, and taking in all the all the wins and goals that I've achieved in that moment that you, I never thought I would be able to do lunges and squats on chemotherapy or yeah. be able to sort of like use my arm the way I was using my arm with some of the um, like movements and stuff because of my pick line. And it's just, it was just unbelievable. And the second week came and it was when I had chemotherapy. So Helen sent me my uh, 
my workout and I looked at it and I was like, okay, I've got this. And I really, really struggled, really struggled. Um, and I think it just sort of went, what am I doing wrong? Why did I find it so easy the first week, but the second week I'm really struggling. So on the phone to Helen with my weekly chat um, and she, she was just like, but what else have you done this week? And I was like, well, actually I got up and I'd done the washing up or I've put loads of washing on. And she was like, well, there we go. You're, you're moving, you're, you're doing yeah. things just because you're not sticking to the program. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're not doing anything. Um, and she said, you can change it, you can adapt it. Cause I remember one day I felt really, really weak and my program was made up of med meditation, stretches, movement. So on my really weak days, I was like, right, I'm just gonna go and do some, some meditating. And it was something that I never ever tried before. And yoga, uh, <laughs> yoga, I never knew was I, yeah yoga was a bit of a tricky one for me <laughs> like never tried it before but it was simple tasks that are low impact which means you can you can do it even when you feel rubbish was um, it yoga with adrian was yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone loves a bit of yoga with adrian <laughs> <laughs> i was just i was like and i thought i can't get my body in that position what what's going on i think we all feel like that when we try <laughs> yoga if you're not a yogi <laughs> But yeah, it was it was it was really good. So the weeks went by and it was really good to have Helen's support. And it came to what I call my failure week. And I phoned Helen up and I'm like, I feel really bad. And she's like, well, why? And I was like, because I've done nothing. I've sat on the sofa. I've not got drafts. I've not done my mood program. I've not done anything. She's like, I don't want to hear you say it's your failure week. You just need to learn from it. And it was like a switch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. Why? Well, I, I now learned that I'm not going to let myself feel that bad again. And then you kind of, again, you process the fact of why did I let myself or what did I do to let myself get that low? And it was not getting up and giving yourself that that goal and getting dressed and everything else. And Helen was like, you've just got to do it. Um, and she said, if you're sat on the sofa, do your meditating sat on the sofa. Don't just sit there and watch TV. Do something yeah. for you. You don't have to move or just sit, switch everything off and breathe. Like, just give yourself that time to reset. And mentally, that is so important. Um, and like I said, the, the doctors are so good at, oh, take this tablet, do that. Or, okay, well, physically, you're tired. But I'm like, but mentally, I'm tired too. Like, I'm yeah. tired of hearing that I've got to go for another appointment. I'm tired of hearing that it, it will make you better if you do it this way. Um, and in a sense it kind of my failure week and speaking to Helen she was like you just need to breathe and take time for yourself and for me that's what made my mental state of accepting the fact that I'm I've got cancer but it's okay it is yeah. that moment that that I could breathe and I could think things through and process it all um and it's like I used to be somebody that went to the toilet once a day or I sort of got up and I could do the washing up and plan my day. But now I, I wasn't able to do that. And I was going to the toilet three or four times. So it's like the doctors are throwing all these tablets at me, but it's not helping. It wasn't helping me. Yeah. Um, and it was just the time to reset, like you said, and do a new goal, no matter how small or big that goal is, you just need those little goals and you need to like celebrate every single one of them. And no one else on your friendship group who have 
not experienced cancer would understand how much it means to you but you do just need to take every little win and celebrate it and I used to say to my partner I'm like I've done this today and he was like all right like he didn't mean it in a horrible way but he didn't quite understand the importance and how hard it was to push myself to to do that so yeah move really got me thinking and it gives you that time to to think and reset and set goals I think that's just Sorry, oh, so just quickly, that's such a valuable lesson. I've never heard anybody talk about it in that way of actually giving your brain the space or yourself the space to actually, the resetting can be so important in so many different ways. Like you said, to even say well done to yourself, but actually cancer and its treatment and everything around it can be complete chaos that you never even give yourself any time to just be. And that's really fascinating how that's really helped you in your journey. I think a lot of people can learn so much from from what you've said there, Shannon. I hope so. As I always set out that I want to share my story and I never want to sugarcoat cancer. I never want, uh, I can sit here and go, yeah, I'm really positive and I've always been a positive person, but a cancer journey is the hardest journey for me especially and I'm sure for for anyone else that has experienced it the hardest journey they will ever experience and like we said at the beginning is you do go to some dark places but it's how you control that and how you can come out the other side and and notice that these changes are happening um and how you can get back in in control and process it to to make yourself feel better I'm sat here and I'm I'm really positive I'm smiling and the whole story is is upbeat because I can think positive now and I'm not ever sugarcoating the fact that cancer is hard because it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do but it's it's something that we just need to talk about and if it helps somebody then I am over the moon. Shannon I think that's you know what you literally took the words out of my mouth then that's <laughs> what I was gonna say just just before that um we spoke did we about how you know we can sit here and be positive all day but it mustn't be sugar-coated because I think people can learn a lot from from people like us you know willing to share our journey and and open people's eyes almost to, to what it's like I um I actually spoke to my the girl who does my eyebrows um a while ago and and she was saying um she was asking about like how I'm doing and things like that and she said to me oh, I noticed you limped when you come in. Like, are you okay? And I said, oh, well, actually, as a side effect of all my treatment, I've got this condition called avascular necrosis. And it's, you know, it's really took a toll on my joints and I'm waiting for um, a double hip replacement. And she was like, I never looked at it that way, that there is actually long-term side effects of cancer. She was like, I just thought you kind of had your chemo and then you're better. And she was like, I will definitely look at people a different way and if I and she said if I have clients that come into me who have got like a family member with cancer or they've got cancer themselves she said I'll approach it now from from a different angle and and you know make sure that they're doing okay from from all aspects really not just from a chemo point of view make sure that they're feeling okay mentally and you know if they're struggling with anything else if she can adapt her salon to to make it easier for them to get in and out and and I just thought you know what that has made me so happy to know that I have just 
opened someone's eyes who you know she wasn't being ignorant she just hadn't had any experience of it and and that's okay you know i think that's important to know that if you're listening to this and and you've got no experience of cancer yourself or you know if a friend's going through it and and you might not feel like you've supported them enough like don't, don't feel pressured at all it, it's not about that it's just about raising awareness of the fact that it's not just treatment and go uh, yeah. like treatment and then you're on your way it's a lot of other things as well it's like you know for, from both of our points of views we spoke didn't we Shannon about how our treatments made us possibly made us infertile and um how you you were able to to have your eggs stored and and in preparation for IVF should you want to use it I didn't unfortunately have that choice so I'm faced with a kind of a future knowing what what my my options are and things but you know it's things like that people never realize and I've had family members say to me oh now you're better you can you know you can plan your wedding have kids and I have to have that conversation with them that unfortunately that's not going to happen for me in a way that you would expect I might have to look at you know adoption or surrogacy or even if that's a decision that I want to make you know I have essentially lost Mm. five years of my life to cancer this is me time now and I want to focus on my goals and and achieving as much as I can in my life before going down the route of of you know maybe children and, and things like that and that's something that you said as well Shannon you know about that it affects you know it really upset you and, and things like that thinking about the prospect of not being able to do your life as you expected um you know conceive and naturally and things like that and yeah it's it's just about raising awareness of that and and just being maybe if you know someone with cancer just being a little bit more conscious of what you say to them and and how you approach them and, and approach certain topics shall we say yeah no I completely agree because um like you said is that family was one thing that I had a plan for like by by 26 I wanted to have my first child and everything else and now it's it's been taken away and yes I have my embryos frozen and and everything else but I still have to hit a criteria to become a mum I can't sit with my partner and go we're ready for a family let's go and try we have to go are we ready okay well I've got to now go and book an appointment hoping that there's not a waiting list and then for them to basically sit in a room and judge me is to whether I hit that criteria to be able to to be a mum and it's things like that that again myself included when I got diagnosed I'm like right okay chemotherapy let's go that's it but it's not it's it's and then I think the hardest thing was not hearing my diagnosis but hearing the fact that it affects my fertility I was like okay this is serious now this is long term this is not just now and I mean I've got to go on I have radiotherapy and then I go on to hormone treatment and that is for 10 years so for 10 years I'm still linked to cancer I still got to go for a process and in those 10 years I can't try for a child I can't live my life how I planned it to be um and I still struggle now to kind of understand that because a family was so important I'm not taking away the fact that I'm had my operation and I'm currently sat here with no tumors or or cancer inside me but I'm still upset with the fact that in three years time I can't try for the family that I plan to have. I've got yeah. to wait 10 years and then I've got to go through IVF, which brings up 
a whole nother load of problems. It's not just as simple as, right, we can try. And like you said, so if it's if that you you're focused on your goals and and you and I'm trying to do that, but that's been taken away from me because that's so important to me. Um, and it's just it is just a long term effect of of cancer, and you you do just kind of have to bite the bullet and go for it. <laughs> it's like that guilt that you just mentioned. Then, like people must think, oh, they're cancer free. Why aren't yeah. they happy? And it's like because there's a lot of things that we've still having to deal with, and and yeah. that you know still we still face everyday struggles you know you're recovering from a really major surgery and you know you have got all the, the things about you know not being able to conceive naturally and things like that that's gonna ha that's gonna have a major effect on you for the rest of your life and same with me like I I've had all that treatment and I'm so grateful that the, the CAR T cell therapy finally worked and, and got me in remission and I have been now for 12 months but I'm still walking around at the age of 25 with crutches and, and in pain every single day of my life and, and having to take HRT because I've been through early menopause, you know, it's just, it is the guilt of, I should be really happy because yeah. I've beat cancer, yeah. but I, I'm still, you know, I'm still learning and I'm still trying to kind of, kind of just, muddle your way through life shall we say you know and and just get over those those other hurdles that come with it I think what strikes me though about both of you is that you probably couldn't have ever imagined when you were first diagnosed with cancer that you'd be sat talking the way you both are about all your learnings how you've had to change your life how you've had to change your perspective your mindset the positivity that's come through probably some of the life experiences that you wouldn't replace again because you know even though you've had cancer you probably wouldn't turn back time because you've learned so much about yourself and the people around you so i think again give that another 3 years 5 years like you'll be uh, like beside yourself in terms of what you've actually then gone on to achieve even though right now it doesn't feel like there's another lot of hurdles ahead of you, if that makes sense. So I think you should be extremely proud of what you've achieved, how you've dealt with things. And even though there are the dark sides and the places, but the fact that you're both want to share your story to help others, I think that also helps you as well. Um, I think that's an important part of the journey, like you both said, to talk to others. And I think that brings me on to, Sophie, um, the Movers One Facebook group. And I think that you both connected, and that's the reason why we've done this podcast, because <laughs> we wanted to bring that story to life and the things that you've learned and that you spoke about. But the Movers One um, Facebook group, you actually came to me and said, Gemma, I want to set up this uh, Facebook support group around exercise and physical activity and can, um, all the benefits of that for somebody going through a cancer diagnosis. And I want to connect with others and help them. And I was like, wow, Sophie, you're so wise beyond your years. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's go for it. Um, so you've created that, um, which is a support group. So I just want you to kind of tell everybody a little bit about that and how people can get involved in that group yeah like first of all thank you so much for allowing me to kind of oh, just gosh, run with it you know it was just it was just an idea I had and now I, I am really proud of it and and the way it's going and it's improving every week and we get more members and I, I suppose I just had the idea because when I completed the MOVE program, I still wanted to carry on with fitness and, and it is going to be a major part of my life when I finally got my new hips. Um, and I suppose it was just about connecting with others. You know, 
there might be other young people out there who've got avascular necrosis. There might be other young people who, uh, you know, their treatments affected them quite a lot physically and, and they're on the MOVE program and they might even just they might need that little bit of extra motivation or a little bit of advice you know Helen and the cancer rehab instructors are amazing but they are so busy so you know in between catch-up phone calls it might I just thought it might be useful to be able to connect with other people and ask for advice that way and um yeah so that that's why I wanted to set up the group and you know I'm absolutely delighted that you let me in and <laughs> here we are now and that group means so much to me because already you know we've had just so many amazing posts people have come and said that you know that they've just done like a 5k or they've done like a seven mile run and it's just lovely to be able to share those things with each other because as you were saying before, Shannon, you might say that to your friends and they'd be like, oh, I do that every week. I run a 5K every week. But to someone who's had cancer and some of these people are, are still going through their treatment. And I just think it's amazing, you know, when I read things like that, that they've just run a 5K. It, you know, it's Friday night and they, they've just finished work and they've run a 5K. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And um, I just love that it's a safe space where we can share things, share those wins and, you know, if there is someone struggling, maybe they're, you know, they're just lacking a bit of motivation. Others can can chirp in and kind of help them and build them up and, and stuff like that. And I love how we've been running the workshops as well. You know, we have the dietitian Monica. She did a live workshop for us because that's something that the young people in the Movers One group were a lot of people were asking questions about, you know, nutrition during treatment nutrition after treatment um, even before as well you know it's important to to get your body well prepared for for treatment and things um, and we also did one um a workshop goal setting with Juliet Tripp because that was another thing that young people were saying on the group you know I, I'm struggling you know I can't see my goals anymore and you know I'm a bit blinded by what's going on yeah. with treatment I'm, I'm distracted from my goals and things so, so that was another great thing that we did and I just love the way we can all share our experiences and it's created almost like a, a mini community of yeah. people who are thinking about going through the MOVE program, people who are on it now, people who've completed it, because we all share one thing in common. We all wanted to move against cancer. You know, it sounds, it's very cliche and a bit that's cheesy. A great end. <laughs> I feel like you can press, put end on the podcast there. <laughs> but that's what we all wanted to do. And we were all really determined individuals in our own way. And we all wanted to face up to the fact that, yeah, we've got cancer, but this is not going to be the end. And, you know, we, we just want to keep moving and, and make sure that we maintain a really active and healthy lifestyle for me um using that site so I obviously got added in when I started my move program and obviously Sophie set it up but for me coming in it was kind of like right okay I've scrolled through and there is an end there is another side so seeing like Sophie said seeing the people's mm -hmm. story of that they've run 5k or they've managed to go out on their bike for the first time like this program works and it helps you get to that end goal and for me coming in, I was like skeptical about, well, okay, what's going to happen? Like, how's it going to work? And then seeing these stories, it gives you that positive and that inspiration and kind of go, I want to be there in however many years. And like you said, it's just, it's a community. 
and if I was struggling um, about like um, my hips and stuff too, mine aren't like I don't need a, a hip operation like Sophie, but they do get a weakness and you put in there and go, right, okay, I need a stretch for my hips who can help. And people do come and they do comment and they do help you out. And it it is like a little community. Um, it is brilliant coming from coming into that group and having that support. Yeah, it shows how important that support is. And I think that the next workshop should be both of you on that <laughs> workshop, sharing your story and Q&A in each other, because I think that would go down so well. So definitely a great idea That would be that. great. That would be so good. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> you wouldn't so, enough, we'll just keep talking. Yeah, they'd have to put a time limit on. <laughs> on to, talking about time. So we're going to wrap up this podcast now. I'm just going to ask you two questions before we finish. So um, don't need to rush them, but just to two questions and the first one is I know this can be quite difficult but what one piece of advice would you give somebody who um is going through a similar journey to you mine <laughs> in one mine is something that I touched on before and that is that cancer is only a part of your life I know it feels like everything at the moment and some days you might not even be able to think of anything but and you're, you're terrified you're scared but it's only part of your life and don't let it define you you know you've still got a life to live and on your good days make sure you make the most of that you know you don't want to be known as the person with cancer don't don't let that happen just you know you are you 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 are whatever your name is Sophie Shannon Gemma (laughs) you are you and cancer is only part of that you're still you know the rest of you is still that amazing inspiring wonderful individual for me it's celebrating every little win no matter how small that you think it is even put it on the move against cancer as one facebook group and everyone will celebrate with you is celebrate those little wins and give your mind and your body the space to reset whenever you need it no matter how it could be four times a day or whatever just give yourself that time to reset and celebrate every little win Love it. Absolutely love it. They are very, very wise words. Um, So the last question I've got, um, do you have a favourite quote? I love a quote, by the way. Do you have a favourite quote? You might not do. And then I killed this question. I know, I know. Maybe it's just me who keeps them in my back pocket when I need to pull them out. I am I I there's always one that um oh it was years ago like I don't know whether it was a teacher who said it or someone said it to me and it's always stuck in my mind and it's um aim for the moon because even if you miss you'll still be among the stars and I think that that fits in with with what we've just been talking about love it and so I don't keep a pocket of quotes, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, for me, I think it, it's just reach for whatever you can get and celebrate whatever you win. Love that. So we've got a Shannon specific quote there. Copyright it. Copyright it. I love that. So I'm going to share mine. My favourite quote is that it's not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain, which I think... Oh, I love that one. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can add that to your back pocketbook now. Thanks. I'll write it down now. <laughs> <laughs> but it does probably close off this um, this podcast. Uh, but really, I just want to say a huge thank you for being to both of you, Shannon and Sophie, for being so open and honest and sharing your journey um, with us. I hope you've both gained something from sharing it. And I definitely know this won't be the last of your podcasts. I think there might be a Shannon and Sophie podcast series coming to you soon. <laughs> yeah Gemma thanks for being so supportive with everything thank you ladies speak soon thank you bye thank you wow what an amazing conversation that was Sophie and Shannon are just fabulous thank you so much to both of you for coming on the podcast they just shared so many wise words and learnings from their experience during their cancer journey that we can all take on board and implement into our lives with or without cancer I just loved how they found support in each other and wanted to share their story, but also show the reality of it and not sugarcoat what they experienced in order to help others. And I just love seeing their eyes light up when they were talking about the future of weddings and moving house. Positivity was so important to both of them, as well as working on their mindset, even during the darkest of times. And it was amazing to see how much Helen and the online move program had helped them. It just shows the power of movement and how important it is for both physical and mental health, but also how important that support is too. I just wanted to share the piece that Shannon had wrote in her blog, because I think this is a real powerful paragraph, and I'm going to share this to end this episode's podcast. So Shannon says, cancer does not care if you are the CEO of a big company or a little kitchen worker like myself. Cancer is cruel and hard to deal with but it's how you think and accept cancer that makes the difference. It will not happen overnight. It will take time and there will be many negative and hard decisions along the way in order to be able to focus on who you are and where you want to be. I'm still going through treatment, but I have planned my driving test again and also rebooked my wedding for next year with planning in full swing. The key is to focus on what you wish for and know that even during treatment, you can start to plan where you wish your life to be. Thank you for sharing that, Shannon. That's really, really powerful paragraph. So I really hope that you enjoy that episode as much as I did. Please subscribe to our podcast. I think that's what I need to say. Give us a like or review and um, please listen back to all the other episodes because we really think you'll take something different and unique from each of those episodes. So as usual, I am off to grab myself a cup of tea, which I do after every episode or every hour of the day. Um, and I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of my day. Thank you so much for listening to episode eight of the Move Against Cancer podcast. Mm-hmm.